The following is a Bunkazilla original production. We are monsters of culture. Welcome to the Big Stomp, the Bunkazilla radio show that roars at the latest stories and discussions in geek culture today. So, what are we waiting for? Let's start stomping. Good evening and welcome to the Big Stomp. It's 8pm Thursday the 30th of January. We're here live on Bunkerzilla. I am the Raggedy Man and joining me tonight to cut their way through a path of major geek culture stories from this month. We have three amazing members of the Bunkerzilla team and they are... Hi, I am the Cross-Eyed Gamer. I currently run uh, This Door is Locked, which is a horror gaming channel on Bunkazilla. And we have... Hey, uh, it's Party Pirate here. I am uh, mostly helping out on the blog with some reviews and some editorials and generally getting up to whatever mischief I can. And we also have Jenna, who is currently suffering some technical details. And we also are in the Bunkerzilla Discord. And who have we got at the moment? We have got all of us. Uh, we have technically got Ian. And we have Laura, Pink Apple Jam. So the idea is, is that through this show, if you have anything you want to say, type it up. We will see it. And we'll probably chip in some comments. Uh so, with housekeeping, this is hosted on the amazing bunkzilla.co.uk, the UK home for all the monsters of culture. And it will also, as well as being live now, it will also be available on Mixcloud in the near future, along with all our other amazing shows. Keep a lookout for Bunkzilla on Twitch, Instagram, Facebook, and our wonderful Discord. Uh, and with the bunk buddies through the marvel of modern technology, as said the peanut gallery. So, are we any close? Oh, we've also got uh, Kima. Kuma. Hey, hello. Kimu. <laughs> and you got me who can't pronounce shit for shit. Right. Uh, away from my chonterings. Uh, here we go. Charlotte, what's your story? Hello. Hi, everybody. Um, as you all know, or if you listen to This Door is Locked, uh, I'm a big horror fan, um, but I'm also quite a big superhero fan. I am a big fan of the Marvel Universe and a big fan of kind of anything that involves those great comic book heroes. So my conversation to kickstart amongst all of you is centered around Jared Leto, right? Oh God. Yes. Okay. I'm sure by now all of you have seen the Mobius trailer, um, which I watched the other day, came out, and it sparked it sparked something uh, in my brain, essentially. Remembrance um, and this of is... teenage lust? Um, well, <laughs> 30 seconds to Mars, yes, everything else has been in, no. Um, but anyway, my crux is this, and it's the idea that seems to have become quite prevalent, um, and it's turning villains into antiheroes. And the fact that personally, and feel free to come and all shout at me on this, I, I don't yes, like it. Continue. Oh, we've Yay, got Jenna. We have got Jenna. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, victory of live. Um, okay, so I anybody who knows anything about storytelling, um, and anyone who's ever written anything, anyone who is interested in writing, will understand the way you construct your stories and the characters in which you usually use. You have protagonists, you have antagonists, and mostly these are known as heroes and villains. Um, and there are shades of grey. There are very much so. But there is already a character model called an anti-hero. Your, your typical anti-heroes are things like the Punisher and Wolverine and Deadpool. They are not your typical hero, but they're not a villain either. They're, they're this grey area. But what we seem to be having now with Venom, Morbius, Suicide Squad is the idea that you have to then give villains this anti-hero treatment and they become rather than just being a villain for a hero to to kind of kick off against, they've got this backstory and all this kind of thing. And I can hear you. I can hear you shouting, well, what's wrong with that? Is it What's wrong with hearing that villains have got this, this tragic backstory or as a motivation behind what they're doing? And, okay, follow me on this. I'm going to take you off on a tangent, but keep with me. 
I'm a big fan of a series called Criminal Minds. If anyone gets the chance to watch it, please go watch it. It's brilliant. But it basically focuses on a serial killer every week and all this kind of thing. And I did a study. And uh, the majority of these serial killers are men because that's the, statistically what you get. Most serial killers mm-hmm. are men. So then I also started looking at the reasons behind every single serial killer in Criminal Minds. And the proportion of female serial killers to male serial killers who have given tragic backstories was like 100%. Every single female character that was a villain, that was a serial killer, was given a tragic reason. So they lost a family member. They had something terrible happen to them. uh, They witnessed something terrible. Whereas there was this selection of male serial killers that were highlighted in the fact that they had no reason. They were just evil. They were just murderers. They didn't have a mummy who didn't hug them. They didn't have a, a, a witness some horrific event. Um, I'm I, okay. I'm I'm. I, no, I was I was Andrew. just going <laughs> to say. I think some of that is uh, also to, to that, that that's part of the whole serial killer uh, myth because it was only recently that people actually thought women could be serial killers, even though they clocked up some pretty impressive mm. kill counts throughout their life. Is a lot of female serial killers don't get recognized as as serial killers because people just don't think they can be. So as a cultural mm. concept, female serial killers is still pretty new. Yeah. And if you look at it, it took a while for us culturally to accept the fact that serial killers, the male serial killers could just do it because they like killing people. Mm-hmm. There always used to be a tragic backstory for them. So I'm not surprised that now that we're new to the idea of female serial killers, they have to have a tragic backstory. Oh, no, no. I, and I, I get the understanding behind that. Yeah. It's more of an illustration for this idea that in order for a character to have almost like a depth or a sympathy to it, you have to give them this backstory. Now, that works so fine if you're talking in terms of human characters, if you're talking about real-life situations. But we're not. Mm. We're talking about superheroes. We're talking about people who get bitten by radioactive bugs and suddenly <laughs> can stick to things. You know, this is not real. This is not reality. As much as we love our gritty comic books and all this kind of thing, they are not real. This is fantasy and it's, it's over the top and it's all this kind of stuff. And there's almost an element of you're losing something by trying to shoehorn these shades of grey into a character that was never intended to have in them. Mm-hmm. Um, you, Andrew, you flagged this up, actually, that every attempt to give a horror icon a, a backstory has largely been a massive failure. Leatherface, oh, yeah, I, I awful. Freddy, I... awful. Pinhead, awful. Because it they... just it actually took something away rather than giving it something back. They originally gave a backstory to Freddy in the original series of it was more like a creation of just oh no he really is just this guy who likes killing people because he's a jerk and that worked they then tried in the reboot to give him a justification and that was just awful well in the original it's the implied and then in the reboot they just went full on here you oh yeah go. here's the graphic polaroids ladies and gentlemen so okay so i've, I've basically vented my vent this is, <laughs> this is the crux. Because I, I, uh, I, this niggles me. This really gets me because the, the crux of this is yeah. you don't need to. This is the thing that bugs me. You don't need to. The Joker is the best, best, best example of this because they gave Jack Nicholson's Joker a backstory. It was it was a brief one. He was still a git and he still became <laughs> the Joker. He was. I mean, he was, he was an arse. It was he an origin story. And, oh, there you go. Or, yeah. Origin story. Yeah. You've got the new Joker which I will I will say I have not seen yet because it, honestly it doesn't really appeal to me. Um Heath Ledger's Joker I felt was was the right one. It's the I've got a backstory but you're never actually going to know what it is because to me that made him far scarier, far more oh my god this is this is an unpredictable thing rather than this is a human with a backstory. Anyway, I'm going to start waffling, and Mark, you go, because I know you've, you've been vibrating Gemma over there, ready to go. Just, and Jenna. Jenna. Jenna, how dare you? <laughs> As I've, uh, uh, I mean, I'm listening to you, and I, I, I can't find anything I can outright disagree with, but I'm wondering how much of it is more to do with can we explore these characters? Because what we're seeing in a lot of films are bad guys are there for one reason. 
for the good guys to come along and kick their ass in in various uh, levels of of uh, kickassery. Whereas actually, a lot of these villains have already got some form of backstory in their original sources. Um, and probably the only villain in recent years who's had that real sort of build-up and, and explanation is Thanos. He's the only one who's had the time to mm. go, okay, look, what he's doing is completely psychotic, but in his own way, it makes sense. He's He's got a reason for it. He feels he's doing the right thing. You could it's say the same about Pinhead. You can say the same about Pinhead, but the whole point of, of the original... Uh, trilogy of that was these are uh, fundamentally evil people and they do fundamentally evil things. Mm. Uh, Whiplash in Iron Man 2 was there just to knock Tony Stark around and bring him out of his little funk. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) The Red Skull was there to make sure Captain America had a reason to exist. They they have very short shelf lives because it's just like here's a bad guy that you need to go and punch in the head until he gives up. Mm. <laughs> because otherwise he will destroy America or the world or the universe. And that's all they get. So I'm wondering if there are people out there that have just seen these characters and gone, they deserve a little bit more, actually. And here's a way to tell that story. I do see what you're saying on that one. Because Thanos, like you say, is a good example. Because he is not sympathetic, but some people, I mean, I, I know some people who have been like in stuck in rush hour traffic and thought, you know what? I think Thanos is onto yeah. something. And th- there's so... a logic to it as well. <laughs> It's not yeah. a very good logic, but there is a logic to go in, we will all die one day, but if I can half the population, that'll slow that down. But there's a question. It's... Do you think Thanos could have had a movie on his own? No. no. See, this is, this uh, well, is the crux to me, is that is is, can, Thanos is a different I character to the Joker. A film I want to see, no, but I'd say yes. It's definitely a film that I think somebody could make. Whether it's a good idea or not, I'm not going to get into that <laughs> discussion tonight. <laughs> but I definitely think that somebody's probably out there right now. At the very, very least, somebody's online writing the fan fiction of Baby Thanos <laughs> and because... how he came to be who he is. With the chin. Right. He's um, the chin. A, co- a quick chip in from the peanut gallery. We have uh, Kimu saying that the reason they exist is they redeem the bad boys so my fanfic makes sense. <laughs> Uh, so yeah no someone probably is writing that script and it's probably awful using the example of the joker and uh, the reason the joker is really cool is because he beats batman he's the only person that actually challenges batman Batman. he is still intrinsically cool because of batman Mm -hmm. rather than batman who's just intrinsically cool because bruce wayne so Mm. Jenna, what were you, um, you going to Because I know you were... Oh, I was going to say the same point that you were saying about the fact of the mystery behind the character can make them scarier. Mm. Um, like the fact of... I don't watch a lot of horror. I'm really sorry. I hope I don't offend you. <laughs> no, no. It, uh, I, I'm, I get I'm a, for everyone. I'm a historian. I... From what I sent Andrew this week, I've had enough horror. I was gonna say, you, you've got the, you've I got the real kittens. horror. Um, part of my next article will have kittens in it as breaks historical kittens yeah well no just kittens because so but it's just um, yeah it's the fact of mystery I listen to a lot of true crime as well because again history things and sometimes the thing that makes serial killers, the real serial killers, scary is trying to work out why they were doing it and not being able to work it out. And so suddenly when you give them this backstory and they are human, it's like, oh, OK, is that scary or not scary? I'm not entirely sure. So... Having watched a lot of origin movies from horror, mm. they always make them less frightening. Mm, the, yeah, the definitely. the scary noise outside is scary as long as you don't know what it is. Yeah, it's once yeah. With, you know it's now, it's not as scary. Yeah, it's um, but it's also a lot of the examples you've you you've given um in the start of this, they're all from the comics universe, and. 
I don't know how much of it is just because they've run out of stuff to plug and how much of it is just because they've got this really cool zappy thing. Plus, uh, the big ones they're doing, Suicide Squad, kind of, in the original comics, was kind of still bad guys. But mm. Venom and Mobius have both been good guys at points. Mm. Yes. So, I mean, you've, you've got a thing with the comic books because... The the problem that move the, the problem when you try and bring these characters into a movie is that you're still trying to fit them into you're not making a villain movie. This is the biggest thing. These Morbius uh, Morbius Mo- Mobius, Morbius Morbius whatever his name is Morbius Vampire Dude. Vampire yeah Batfink Batfink yeah um Venom Suicide Squad. The thing that gets me as someone who kind of understands these character roles. They're not making villain movies. People keep going, oh, they've made another villain movie. No, these are not villain movies. What is, they've took a villain and tried to make him an anti-hero. And the that is on. not the same. An anti-hero is not the same as a villain. And so you're, they have to have this redeeming element in them, which I think c- completely undermines them being a villain. And it takes I'm... almost like a bit of the spice away from them. Uh, I'm going to chip in quickly with another one from the peanut gallery. Yep. Uh, Kimu again, 100% biz reason because lower ratings means more money. Many rating systems have rules about moral victory or bad guys not winning. So it all follows the letter instead of the spirit. So like Batman beating up someone violently gets lower rating <laughs> than bad guy doing it. Yeah. yeah I, and uh, as you were saying, to... if you look at the structure of all these anti-hero movies, they are the hero arc. Yeah, yeah. just I, at I the end, it looks a little bit broody. Mm. Yeah, I wanted to sort of get around to that as well because we are we're talking very much in a in a storyteller sense, but we're ignoring the fact of what these these stories are at their heart for some people, and they are a business. They're they're a mm-hmm. money making enterprise. Yeah. So if you've got access, so if if you're Kevin Feige, uh, Feige, however you say his name, who is helming what is arguably one of the the biggest cultural sensations of our generation i mean people will be talking about the mcu for years Mm. in ways that we used to talk about things like gone with the wind and and the star wars trilogy Mm. it's huge and that comes with a massive amount of intellectual property and someone whether it be kevin feige or somebody else is at least looking at that and going right how much can i get out of this Mm-hmm. Which means every so often they're going to pull out a character who maybe didn't make it into the films and go, "This would be good as a, as a, as a thing we can do on its own." Let's yeah. tell this person's story, and we I... saw that with things like Agents of Shield, and where that was meant to go when they were looking at bringing in the Inhumans, mm-hmm. and yeah. we saw it with how they've tried to retell certain <laughs> stories from things like the X Men because they can't do the mutant story. Yeah. So they've brought Quicksilver and uh, in to, uh, admittedly, have the shortest stint as, a, as an Avenger. <laughs> it was the fastest. It was the fastest for more reasons than what you'd have thought. In Quicksilver but, years, he was 107. Yeah, right. Um, but part of it is there because they they sit there and they go, "Look, we've we've got this we've got this person, this thing, this story, and we haven't made a single dollar off of it yet. And if we're not making money out of it." It's useless. So let's get out there and tell that story, whether it be as a movie or an origin story, or let's turn it on its head and turn this villain into a an anti-hero mm. or at least a bad guy you can relate to. The other side of that is if you can make anybody someone you can relate to, the first thing that happens after that is you turn around and go, wow, I need to find out more about this guy. And you dive straight into that, that lore Hmm. And there you are. The, the The movie has got you into the law, and now you're reading the comic books. And it, as a business decision, it just makes a lot of sense, really. I agree with you on that. Although my argument on the flip side of that would be, but there's, I mean, is it that people have got bored of heroes? Is that what it is? Because it's not like they've run out of heroes and they went, oh, okay, uh, we better go into the bad guy pile because we've run out of hero pile. So they've they've specifically gone and picked characters that aren't even, I mean, Deadpool... I just think it's a bit of a... I'm going off in different sentences here, but <laughs> I think it's almost like they've not quite got the understanding of the difference. So they've gone, oh, okay, Deadpool, without question, one of the biggest movies, not just of superhero dumb, but generally. Huge, mm. huge, huge movie. R-rated as well, which was barriers broken. And they went, right, all the other heroes don't like him, so he must be some kind of villain, so we know that bad guy films work really, really well. 
but Deadpool is not really the the typical villain. I mean, I know he does horrifically villainous things, but he's not really because you know mm. you still see this little nugget of that he's a half decent guy, even though he looks like a scrotum. So it's. <laughs> But these characters they're now picking out, although, like you said, Venom and uh, Morbius have been heroes. Um, but I, I think, think we are going to... I mean, jo- the Joker has never been a hero and will never be a hero. I, I know I, some people, in some iterations, he's had redeeming glimmers. But he's he's supposed to be the ultimate anti-Batman. The I mean, I don't completely think it's devoid of morals. Of we're doing this because we're bored of them. I think it's because... Movie studios are clever enough to go, wow, we've been doing a lot of hero stuff. If we keep doing this, it will be boring. So what we're going to do is, let's release this one. It's a refreshing. And the other thing it does is in a in a place that's saturated, I'll wrap this up now, in a place that's saturated with superhero movies, this is something different. Come and see. Mm-hmm. All good thoughts. Uh, final thoughts going to go for the, to the peanut gallery from uh, Laura Watton. Regarding true crime... Uh, for me, it's the audacity of someone actually following up on their thoughts and visions, which is why mm. Mindhunter, for me, was so fascinating as it handled the fallout as well as the criminal investigation process. Mm. So, good stuff. Bad guys. Yeah. Villains. Anyway. <laughs> that was that. Stomping up next, we have Mark. Mark, what do you want to stomp on? So, um, the video game world seems to be largely pressing pause or kicking the can down the road recently. So, um, we have had so many uh, announcements, really. So, uh, just the quick recap that I've got at the moment. Final Fantasy VII Remake, The Avengers computer game, Last of Us 2, Cyberpunk 2077, all have had their releases pushback. Dying Light 2 has been put on indefinite hold from what I last saw. Um, with all of the, uh, the the studios and the producers and the developers turning around going, it's not there yet, we need more time. Now, when I first thought of this, um, this subject, I was like, this is great. As a consumer, this is great for me. Because now I'm certain, <laughs> as certain as I can be, that I'm not going to get a half-built game. And I'm remembering experiences I've had with like Fallout 76, where I had the game preloaded and ready to go, and then because Bethesda hadn't got their 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 stuff together, it deleted itself so it could reinstall, <laughs> which is great. Launch day, and I'm I'm doing a, a a 50 gig or whatever it was install, and there there are the horror stories that we've had from uh, like Battlefield 4 when that first came out was a huge failure because there were so many bugs and they were effectively getting people to bug test the game at <coughs> launch. And more recently, we've had the Borderlands 2 VR, um, which has been fairly well received on the PlayStation, but on PC, because it's a console port and they're not all that ready to go with the actual VR tech that's available for PC. There's a lot of people going, this is good, but it's not good enough. And um... then... Raggedy Man <laughs> threw this absolute um, car right in the middle of my train of thought with an article about how actually, although it looks good for us, it causes a lot of problems on the industry side in that it means people are now under pressure and they need more crunch and they, they need to, they're doing more overtime and because they've already delayed it once, they sit there and feel... Uh, we can't do that again. We need to get it done this time. So I wanted to see what people thought about these delays because my original thought was this is only good things. This is only good for mm. everyone. And now it it doesn't seem like it is. I'd like to put in one comment for context. Um, this is definitely for for some of the people listening. Um, the well, other than the two people listening who know the industry, uh, the delay of a video game is not a casual thing. You are looking at a, especially for these AAA, you know, these AAA headline things, you're looking at something where the marketing plan has been very carefully planned. You've got media buy, you've got advertising slots, you've got endorsements. You've also got very careful decisions as to who you're putting the game up against. Uh, Cancelling the launch of a game, putting it back six months, you're not just looking at extra dev time, you're looking at having to restructure your entire marketing, and you're also looking at having to burn a lot of cash from marketing, because if you've just bought out the entirety of a website or a video or a magazine or all the advertising for the Super Bowl, 
and you've got no product, they're not going to turn around and go, that's okay, we'll give you back the money. Uh, <laughs> one other comment from the peanut gallery. Uh, Kimu, uh, who is working on Dreams, has assured us that it will release on the 14th of February, <laughs> which I'm pretty sure means the 14th of February. Uh, and also, Overtime and Crunch pushes all overall down. An exception would be Cyberpunk, as in Cyberpunk 2077. So thank you from the peanut gallery. Anyway, back to the stompers. Um, I mean, I, going back to what you're saying about the marketing, that's the other side of it. Another part as well is when they've released those dates, they've seen what other people are doing and they know what they're going up against. Mm. And then they push it back and they say, right, we're pushing... I mean, Final Fantasy VII Remake, it's only a month or so. It's not a huge push. They're, they're, so you get the feeling they're just putting the polish on. But some of them are going back, as you say, as much as six months. They now don't know what their competition is. And that's a big gamble. So, yeah, as a decision, it's definitely... Definitely, like something you, you can tell they're not doing this lightly. Uh, Charlotte, what's what's your thoughts on this? Yeah, well, I just wanted to follow up on what you were saying about the the overtime and stuff because I actually worked up until very recently worked next door to the uh, Red Dead Redemption testing office, uh, Rockstar. So, and there was there were stories coming out of there that I you know when Reddit got flooded with um, real stories of people from. Uh, from Rockstar who were talking about sleeping in the office and working ridiculous long hours. Some of those people were saying, oh, this is the office I worked in, which is, and I know that they're talking about a real office because I'm next door to it. Um, so you've got to remember as well that, uh, how do I put this in a way? Be blunt, be bold. Be blunt, be very blunt. Video games, uh, video games now. I uh, think, if I remember this correctly, is the like highest grossing industry, one of the most highest grossing entertainment industries in the world. It makes yeah. more money than films, which yeah. is huge, 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 huge. So, not only are they talking, you're not just talking the millions and millions made by the the AAA. You're also looking at every studio, then down the list to people who are making it in their bedrooms, and when something goes wrong, gamers are loud. We are probably louder than any other fandom, except maybe Rick and Morty, but <laughs> most, yeah, most I, of I'd those say... are that's a, so, that's a benchmark you don't want to be. <laughs> no. And, and you, I mean, I remember what happened with Red Dead and a few other games, uh, like you were talking about the Fallout game, the the clamour that happened. You couldn't go any any forum Reddit, Discord, nothing without something banging you in the face about the fact that they were going on about all these problems with these games. But and... is, that not, is that not more justified? So going back to your analogy with the movie world, if I spare, if I go to if I go to the Odeon, I go and watch a film. I'm going to spend let's let's round it off for me and the wife. I'm going to spend twenty five quid total. Movie tickets, food, drink. Yeah, going to get the experience. It's twenty five quid. That's it. That sounds cheap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's, I mean, that's that's making the cheap of it. But given the benefit of a doubt for two people to experience that, so you you're just over the ten pound mark for that experience. And that's not just for the for the movie. For just the movie, probably ten pounds is about right. And you mm. go, oh, that was a that was a rubbish film, huh? Okay, well I won't do that again. Meanwhile, you get to a game launch that you've been excited for it might be it might be a brand new game it might be a, a a franchise that you're a massive massive fan of i mean some of the some of the ones that are coming out recently like fallout like Final fantasy are games that i've grown up with so they mm. mean a lot to me and then i spend a lot of money because some of these games are coming out 50 60 mm -hmm. quid if you're getting special editions you're going into the hundreds yeah and then it turns out it's rubbish. You're not talking about a wasted evening and a tenor that's gone down the drain. You're talking hundreds of pounds. Mm. Oh, and to be honest, uh, uh, my point probably got lost somewhere. I 100% agree with you. I yeah. think it, it, you cannot release a game that is broken. No, that, yeah. that was that was the, the basic, the crux of everything that came from things like Red Dead and all the others. Yeah. Because it I mean, was like, no, 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 we're paying all this money. We've got the games industry churning out more money than Hollywood and you're giving us games that aren't finished. Mm -hmm. and Bethesda, what the hell, I mean, hero? Bethesda dropped the ball twice, really, because they didn't just release a, a a spotty game. The merchandise they were releasing wasn't up to scratch as well. Yeah. The, the, the special edition versions that came out with the, the 
the Power Armor helmet was supposed to have a very nice bag come with it. It was this nylon rubbish. Mm-hmm. Everyone remembers horse every- armor. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> let's, let's just, let's not bat around here. That's going to mm. have a longer lasting effect on that game than any fixes now. Um, uh, yeah. the, the bad side of this for me was uh, when No Man's Sky released. Now, No Man's Sky, I feel, always had a very rough release mm. because I'm a, I'm a PC gamer, so I'm used to early release games. I'm used to a developer going, look, we've got this game. We're going to get it out there, um, but it's not ready yet. It's not finished. It's ready to play, but it's not everything we're hoping to do. What we're going to do is we'll knock it out to you a little bit cheap, mm. and then you've got it, and then as we release better and better parts, you'll get that for free. And I've bought a lot of early release games and Same. loved it. Mm-hmm. And No Man's Sky was one. I fell in love with it straight away. Unfortunately, on the console side of things, it didn't work out quite as well. And people slated it, and it, it kind of killed the game. And now you speak to some people about No Man's Sky, and they go, oh, yeah, that's that game that didn't have anything that they promised. It's got it now. <laughs> it's out there, and it's ready to go, and it's still a brilliant game. But most people will just remember that, because it can sully it, really. Um, I was just going to make the point of... There are some gamers like myself who do tend to actually wait quite often for the game to be cheaper a couple of months down the line. So I've just started playing Red Dead Redemption 2. Um, Well, I say just. I've been playing it for the last month and um, maybe completely killing my routine of sleep. And, um, yeah, right. Um, (laughs) So... For me, the pushbacks don't matter so much because I'm getting to games late. I'm very picky about what I play because I play collector phones. I play things mostly, again, to do with history. Um, or I play GTA and stuff like that. I do play the plus A games and then put stuff like Pokemon, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. But it's... So... I think because so many people have been burnt by pre-orders as well, maybe not the publishers aren't seeing as many pre-orders. So maybe that is giving them a little bit of, well, we can push it back a little bit because there's not quite as many pre-orders as we used to have because people have been burnt, if that makes sense. I, yeah. I don't I don't know what the stats are on it. I have a feeling uh, Kimu might flush them out but i would definitely say i've seen so many con jobs with pre-orders that i you know if it's bad merch i kind of go well you should have learned by now Mm. um and i definitely i'm definitely someone who if i hear a game buggy i will wait until it's half the price because that's how long it will take to fix it as we hit the midway point on that thing a couple of comments uh from the uh peanut gallery um, uh, Kimu has just uh, jumped in with first month sales are less relevant than they were a year ago. Still matter, but valid point about people waiting for sale and or the second, third wave of DLC marketing. Uh, Pink Apple Jam says oh, also waiting for Steam sales. Yeah, <laughs> everyone knows twice yeah. a year your wallet will yeah. be yeah. absolutely beaten up. Uh, uh, we've also got where are we? Uh, FO76 court case. Loss means they are still shipping out canvas bags, costing them so much money. Uh, Laura thinks movie industry has less than a century of experience. So I'm, a, in my opinion, it's an unfair to compare to games. I also think it is uh, the games industry makes a lot of money, but it also spends a hell of a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So they're not. It's not apples and oranges. There are. Oh some no, comparisons. no. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was a, a loose comparison in terms of yeah. how people spend their money these days. And we've got a lovely link to a thread from uh, Kimu about the Cyberpunk crunch, and that's going to be going in the no- show notes afterwards. Continue. <laughs> so, I mean, there's there's been some great great points out there. I mean, one one I want to I, I may bring up as a, a as a different uh, big stomp one day is what gaming is. For culture, because my opinion is it's one of the newest forms of storytelling devices. It's it's mm. the natural progression from uh, books and movies. It's it's the next thing. It's the interactive storytelling device. But that's a conversation for another day. Um, 
stuff like Jenna was saying about waiting for sales. Yeah, that's something I do most of the time. The the last two games I've bought pretty much on release have been one because I was gifted it, so I didn't pay for it. Mm. The other because um, it was Borderlands Three. It's frankly a game I've been waiting for for ages, and I managed to get a decent price for it. I managed to find like I had a voucher lying around, and it was it was ready to go effectively. So. Mm. I was ready to sort of go, do you know what? Okay, technically, if you look at the receipt, I'm spending 40, 50 quid. Actually, it's not cost me that much. I'm totally a, a fan of doing things like waiting for a Steam sale. Absolutely. Because last time I, last time I went real crazy on the Steam sales, I probably spent 30, 40 quid, and I caught hundreds of pounds worth. And that leaves me, to, and that leaves me sat there going, why should I spend full price for this game when I know that in two, three months' time I'm going to get it at half the price or less. It doesn't lead to the... It's not like a movie where you, you walk around going, ah, I've got to worry about spoilers here. Mm. I've got to worry about if I've seen that thing yet that people are going to talk about. Because you can't do that with a game that's going to be 100 plus hours of gameplay. Mm. It's not no. going to have that same effect as one moment from a two-hour film. Mm -hmm. The other side of it as well is games don't just flare up and then go like movies do. They're not in the cinema for two, three months as the next big thing and then they die out until it hits Netflix or Sky or wherever it goes to after that. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot more opportunity for you to turn around and go, huh, I'm not overly worried. The... The other side I wanted to come to with, with the delays that we were first talking about is where the risk can start to go wrong. So Dying Light 2, as I said, has been put on indefinite hold. We're not sure what's going on with that. One that just kept getting pushed back and turned out terrible would have been um, the Duke Nukem game. <sighs> That yes. took 13 it was absolutely years. Absolutely dire. Was, oh. When it was released, massively, massively overdeveloped. So many great ideas given too little time. I, I'm an old man nowadays, so I remember being fascinated when Duke Nukem hit its 3D era. And it was just such a great, fun game. To watch it be delayed for so long and turn into that, for me, was just disappointing and disheartening. Mm. So. One side of me, as I said right at the start, one side of me hears these delays and goes, yes, good, don't give me a game that doesn't work. The other side of me goes, but for God's sake, release it soon. Mm -hmm. Not just because I want to play it, but also because I don't need to see this game to um, development hell, to get into that little cycle where they're always going, we just want to do that little bit more to it. Um, yeah, I mean... Especially when you see, I mean, it was mentioned earlier that the the the, the guy in his in his bedroom coding his own game. So um, an example I've got of that that I play every so often is a VR game, and it's literally just a dungeon crawler. It's so wonderfully simple. It's just a guy literally making his own game, just general dungeon crawlers. Loads of people have bought it on Steam. It's great fun. It's getting better all the time, and you can almost see. Someone like Bethesda or uh, EA Games or, or Activision or one of the big studios getting an idea like that, seeing the simplicity and going, ah, that needs something else. And you're like, no, it doesn't. This is perfect. I go into a dungeon, I kill a goblin. This is the element of gaming. This is all I want right now. I don't want a massive storyline and I certainly don't want microtransactions and DLC. <laughs> this is what I want to do right now. I want to walk into that thing, I want to hit the goblin with a big stick. And they'll go, yeah, but you can have all sorts of different shiny sticks. And then you can have all sorts of different shiny goblins. And maybe you'll have different skins that you can't see but look pretty to other people. Which means we'll need to make it multiplayer. And then we can sell all sorts. And you can, you can see those thought processes happen mm. in games. It works sometimes. You cannot deny things like um, Overwatch have worked. Mm -hmm. They have. But I, I'm going to look at these games... And I'm going to think to myself, we're going to have to wait and see if this delay was worth it. 
Good points there. Thank you very much from that. So turning to the peanut gallery, uh, here we go, starting with uh, Kimu. Uh, my rule is never buy on sale, only on the day I'm going to play and I'm spending less and playing more. Uh, Laura followed that up with uh, also hands up who solidly played all the games in their Steam library. No, I haven't, um, including the ones I bought. I, I did not come here to be called out like that, to be honest. <laughs> I feel personally attacked by this content, uh, but it's... There it is. Uh, this is making me feel bad, because I have, like, one game on my Steam account. <laughs> have you thoroughly played it? I haven't touched it. Why? Congratulations! Your point is proven, Laura. Uh, she also points out, with regards to not needing to do it on launch day, a lot of kids peer pressured into getting the game immediately at full price. Yes, mm. they are, both by marketing and by their friends. That's pretty. Uh, there is, Camille uh, uh, comments, there is a cultural event around a launch, especially with Twitch multiplayer. That is true. Uh, and from Naked Fairy Godboy, yes, I prefer my devs alive rather than work to death due to crunch, but I may be biased. <laughs> yeah, I depends on the dev. I've met a couple. Some of them are absolute dicks. Not the ones in the, in the forum at the moment. But anyway, moving on, we now come to the final stomp of the day. Uh, just a quick reminder, if you are enjoying this, please share the experience with your friends, tell them about the podcast, tell them about the channel, and uh, there are more geek articles uh, with us talking about this kind of stuff on bunkazilla.co.uk. Anyway, that's burning into our hour. So, final topic. Go for it, Jenna. Hi. So, um, first off, I'm just going to say sorry for technical stuff earlier. So, but yeah, now I can actually hear you guys, which is wonderful. Um <laughs> Um, so the topic I was bringing to today is basically um, I only just got to see Star Wars like last week because, as many people know, I have a kid. So trying to get babysitting and making the science stars align just right so I can go out for an evening can be a miracle sometimes. So we got to see Star Wars last week. And... Going in, I knew uh, already about Finn and Poe not being a couple. But when I went in and I watched the film, I could not help but see every single moment they then two had was basically going, we're a couple. And um, they basically added two female characters that just felt kind of like no homo. Very quickly. Are you, are you effectively saying they were a spaceship? Yes, they were. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I, I, that's the last we're uh, hearing from Party Pirate <laughs> on this show ever. Uh, it's just... And then I go and read about it because that's what I do. And the cast are saying they wanted them to become a couple. And apparently... Um, I've read somewhere that also J.G. Abrams wanted, that it was Disney that stopped them, basically, because of overseas markets. And we're getting to a point where we need that representation in the big films. They still had a LGBT moment, but it was two women quickly kissing that you could see obviously could get cut out for China and Russia where they have issues with this sort of thing. You mean with horrible bigots? Yeah, yeah. And it's just... I want to see couples like Finn and Poe actually start happening and LGBT representation happening that isn't um, hyped up in the media like uh, they did for Dis Disney's uh, Beauty and the Beast with the character of LaFou, they kept saying, oh, we've got it, we've made him an LGBT character. And unless you knew that, there's maybe two, three moments that you could go, yeah, he's gay, basically. I, and that Valkyrie, was about it. Valkyrie, Thor 3. Yes. And oh, yeah, that, that was another one. They Technically wanted to make a bye. Great. So, 
but she doesn't snog a woman. Uh, I'm not saying that's the only way to be bi, but when it's <laughs> never actually comes into any part of it, she could have, I don't know, that failed on that one miserably and it annoyed me. Oh, which one was that? that was... Yeah, go ahead, Sean. <laughs> okay, I'm okay, pointing okay. at screens. I know, but we're all on a screen. <laughs> see where you're pointing. Um, I mean, I've, I'm with you on not seeing... I I still haven't seen the last two Star Wars. I know I know what I was talking about. Um, yeah. Because I don't mind spoilers for Star Wars. You know. Um, I just don't go to the cinema because I'm not a big fan of other people. So... Um, so I, I, I get completely where you're coming from. It's they're yeah. they're doing it in a well blink and you'll miss it. But but we did it, so yeah. you can't say that Disney does support this. <laughs> and actually, I think as much as you're saying, you know, it, it is all about money and all that kind of thing. And although they're focusing on things like China and Russia, which I know they get a lot of press when they start editing things out. You know, it's yeah. been in the news about uh, Steven Universe, for example, that had tons edited out. That and, got edited in the UK. Yeah, I mean, but actually, you'll probably find for Disney, and I may be wrong here, it's that please won't someone think of the children argument that always pops up yeah. when people are talking about Elsa having a, a girlfriend in the next Frozen. Everyone was saying, you know, she she's the perfect, she'd be great for it, because the first or film was not exactly. about... Yeah, or, or, you know, why can't this happen sort of thing. Mm. And Disney's keeps like blowing its trumpet about but look what we're doing they did made a big fanfare about now i can't remember which order they came out in i think it was merida in brave who was the first disney princess to not have a love interest i think now someone in the peanut gallery feel free to come and yell at me at that this i think she was the first princess like or disney princess and i'm doing the the princess who didn't have the story was not centered around a male love interest it was centered around the relationship between her and her mother and then they had moana who was uh, again a princess who doesn't end up falling in love in the end and they had elsa in frozen because i don't really class anna because she kind of ends up with the, the reindeer chap um so but they love they love blowing their horn about that like, oh look yeah. how inclusive we are! Look, we've made a, a female character who doesn't need a man, and it's like so. So that's your two default settings for women, is it? That they either need a man or they don't, mm. and I'm, that's it. I'm going to make one observation uh, that that is their benchmark, and frankly, yeah, mm. you know, <laughs> it's like yeah, they that that is their that is quite an achievement for them. Yeah, to, I mean, to they have can't a character be, that's kind of not. Yeah, it's, it's the absence it. of LGBT. It's like, no, no, yeah. look, we're covering it. No, to not have a female character fall in love with a man is not explicitly saying that they are then a lesbian. But yeah. they're almost saying, yeah, yeah, it, it means the same thing. No, it doesn't. Oh, quick uh, comment from the peanut gallery. Uh, Kimu, who we're probably just going to get on the show at some point. It'll save time. <laughs> uh, actually, not right about Disney. Look at Disney kids shows, tons of gay stuff. Uh, mostly foreign markets and adult market. That is yeah. an interesting one. That's basically suggesting kids just go, okay, adults get really upset about it. Which I, I know there was some Nickelodeon, was it Nickelodeon? Disney, yeah, Disney Channel that has, it is, apparently the TV shows are a bit more yeah. liberal than the films. Yeah, I am odd. mostly talking about film. Um, TV, they have started go, going out and making things broader. Um, as someone with a child, I see that a lot, especially going back to stuff like Steven Universe has amazing representation. But at the same time, it's that kind of, unless you know what's going on, you could kind of ignore it still. And then we're getting shows like, oh, I can't remember what it's called, but has an actual out gay character that is on, it, I know it's a DreamWorks program, so but I can't remember what it's called. Um, I'm going to quiet now. Um, no. No, it's your topic. You get to say what you want. <laughs> I was simply going to observe that I think some of it is is to do with it's like the sex jokes in The Simpsons. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you know about it, it's gonna go over your head because we're talking about kids' shows. Yeah. Um all the filthy comments from from The Simpsons are gonna go over your head unless you know about them because that's the point. So I I think that is fair on their part if it's a kids show. Yeah. So that that's my 2p if you know 
Bad. So, I mean, I was just going to pipe in here because, like, I, I came out really late when I was came out. I, I was, I think, I was into my thirties by the time I actually said to to myself, let anybody else, you know, I, I'm I'm by here. Um, so having characters like that when I was a kid would have been so different for me. Would have been something else. Would have helped me in so many ways. Or I, I'm going to play a bit of devil's advocate here, though, because I wonder how much of it is self-imposed. I wonder how often, because these studios have done these things, mm. and they've not got it quite right. They've got what they know, and because we are talking about largely straight film cre- uh, creators, they've done maybe their best to get some inclusivity in, and then the community's turned around and gone, what the hell is that? That's like, as a bi person, I have seen very few bisexual characters that I can relate to. So think... many of them are out there and they're sleeping with two guys, then then three girls, and then the tally's off, so they sleep with another guy. And and that you don't see them do what I've done, which is settle down into a monogamous relationship with a person. Whatever gender, it doesn't matter. That's it. It's all done. Mark, that's my I'm experience of bisexuality as well. Yeah, exactly, and and it's it's um, it's incredible to see. Some TV shows have done it. Some TV shows have achieved it. Rosa Diaz. Very. Rosa Diaz. Yes. I mean, I'm there the is issue. not much that <laughs> that you can enjoy <laughs> about Grey's Anatomy. It's one of the most miserable TV shows in the world. <laughs> I love it, by the way. Rosa Diaz. <laughs> Was, Do you mean was, Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Oh, I'm thinking of... Um... This is the... Wi- Rosa Diaz yeah, in no, Grey's went, Anatomy. That I would be amazing! amazing. I want to see no, that. Was, I want to see that um, so much. Sarah Ramirez. I'm, I'm getting confused with Sarah yes, Ramirez. Yes, I know you mean um, Yeah, Rosa Diaz, though. I mean, there... I, I, I wonder about that. Because I, I, I started watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I haven't got all the way through yet. So I haven't got to the part mm. where she came out. And I wonder how it will go. And I'm trusting really people. well. Yeah. yeah, I'm trusting people because I haven't heard people go it was I... stupid. But also, I always worry about stuff like that with comedies because it's double edged sword. Because you want to see that inclusivity, but if we're going to be included in shows, if we're going to be in a comedy show, we need to be laughed at. Yes. Nine nine. The moment Rosa Diaz said the words "I'm bisexual." I cried because it actually felt like proper representation for the first time for a bisexual woman. Um, Because people like us aren't represented because we're a bit too complicated sometimes. Because it's like, but I, because I get accused by the LBGT community of being straight because I'm in a straight looking relationship with a straight man. But I, I get accused of being just trying to not be straight by straight people. Like, oh, you're just saying that you're bi and stuff like that. And it's just like, no, I, and having to explain myself over and over again. It's like, just because I'm saying I'm bi does not mean I'm going to cheat on my husband. Mm. I settled down with my husband because I am in love with him and I have his child because I love him and I love her now. And then also that's the other issue is that I've been told off by my parents for actually introducing LGBT issues to my daughter at the age of five. I'm like, well, I'm not telling her all the how everything works. I'm telling her boys like boys, girls like girls, girls and boys can like girls and boys. Some people are not the gender that they were born as. And she knows gay people, she knows les- uh, lesbian people, she knows bi people, she knows for a fact that I'm bi, um, she knows trans people, and she can get pronouns correct. And this is how we get rid of the hatred, This and the representation is part of it. One of her actual favourite books is Marlon Bundo, which is a book that came from last week tonight. Um, and it is absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, I bought it as a joke for an Easter present for her and she absolutely loves it. 
and there is an amazing story in there that is about love and also about voting and saying, look, we can change this because uh, all the animals are going to vote out the stink bug who looks suspiciously like Mike, Mike Pence. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it's... The next generation is going to be the is going to see a big change with LGBT issues, issues, I think, because there are more parents like myself who are open about it at a young age. So to her, it's just going to be normal, mm-hmm. which yeah, is going to be the best thing. One thing I'd like to say, uh, Mark's comment about uh, R- Rosa Diaz. Uh, Rosa Diaz was, in my opinion, uh, speaking as a non-LGBT person, I thought her presence in book Brooklyn Line 9 was handled brilliantly mm. because her coming out wasn't treated as a joke and her situation as a uh, LGBTQ plus person in a predominantly heterosexual, especially in that show, very, uh, very prescribed heterosexual uh, environment, that wasn't handled as a joke. However, the experience of being a bisexual person and the inherent comedy of the absurdity of life around Mm. that, that was brought out. There were jokes about being bisexual there were jokes about the experience of it they weren't at the cost of being bisexual they were they're just like, like hey here's something stupid about being bi yeah they're and like the jo- jokes they make at hold for being gay yeah, yeah it was more I'm... the absurdity of the things he often got thrown at him when yeah. he, and it was like but, what, but, <laughs> well it's not it's not just and the just yeah, it's it's the absurd it's the absurdities of the community she's in. It's the absurdities of the lifestyle and the world she's in. It's not just it's not just um, I'm probably going to use the words wrong words here, but it's not just like like all about making jokes out of people that are bigots. It's also just making jokes out of the fact that it's a part of her life and humans are inherently bloody hilarious. Because mm. you know, have you seen what humans do? We're weird. Yeah, and and, and that's great. I mean, I can definitely. Laura... <laughs> Laura Watton in the in the peanut gallery, and I'm sort of stealing your your job here. No, do moment. it, do uh, it. But Laura Watton has turned around and said that Brooklyn Nine Nine handles so much heavy stuff, and I have seen some of it. I mean, just some of the normal stories. And when I started watching, like first episode, I was like, "This is generic sitcom." And by That's episode two, I was like, stuff. "I was completely wrong." Yeah, I, I completely <laughs> agree with that. Um, I, I've got the I've got the other side of the coin from. From Jenna on that, as I've not seen a bisexual guy in TV that I can relate to. I've not looked mm. and gone, "Wow, that's me." And that makes me think, yes, we do need more representation. Good stuff. A couple more comments from the peanut gallery. Unless any of you guys want to come out. No. Nope. Okay. Fine. Only me. Uh, Naked fairy god boy says, "I hope the devil pays well for legal representation." Um. It's reasonable hours. They're not bad. They're not bad. Uh, Camus comments, A, uh, that Roma Diaz would indeed cut up a bitch, uh, which is a fair <laughs> comment. Uh, but a lot of kids' shows in Western markets are very progressive. Look at Disney uh, kids' TV lineup over the last decade. Kippo and Wonder Beasts have a wonderful gay moment. Uh, that's from that DreamWorks. That was the show I was trying to bring up, yeah. It's available on Netflix. Uh, that's the other thing. Netflix is allowing a lot of kids' shows to be more experimental. Yeah. Because they're giving them four seasons to do. They're also they're also as as Kim points out, TV shows have longer run times to handle complex mm. character developments. Mm-hmm. And her final comment is halt hula hoops, which frankly <laughs> is true. And uh, Laura Watton comments, uh, people's ignorant comments. It's their problem and weird bias, but tough to handle. And also, girls who love boys who love girls who love boys. Did they not listen to Blur in the nineties? Uh, well, no, because they're not all living in a house in the country. Anyway, <laughs> that has been the big stop. I am getting yelled at by station uh, manager Ian, uh, who <laughs> wanted me to wrap it up a couple of goes because coming up next we've got Real History's Derry Girls. Uh, he also wants me to plug Nutrible Titans. All filler, no killer goes live on podcast channel at nine o'clock as well. In case folks missed it on tonight's station, I can't read what he's saying. Uh, this has been the big stomp. If you like the show, please tell your friends. If you want to be on the peanut gallery, simply log in. We've got 60 seconds. I can see you, Ian. Uh, <laughs> if you've got a topic you want us to discuss, please let it in. If you want to join in, um, 
or say anything, go to Bunkerzilla Stomping Grounds on Facebook. This show has been brought to you by Bunkerzilla. I don't get paid by the mention. I should do. Ian, you owe me a beer. Anyway, you three, say goodnight. Thank you so much. Good night. Thank you. Do you have anything you want to plug before he pulls the plug on us? Yes, the Picard Listen to Real uh, History Next. <laughs> Weekly Picard reviews for the Picard TV show. I'm going to be seeing what I think of them. Make sure you read them on the Bunkerzilla blog because the blog also needs some love. Okay, the blog hole needs love is a very good name for band. Charlotte, you got, I don't know, before he cuts the pipe. This door is locked tomorrow at eight. I do, I do Trash Your Treasure on the show, on, on the, the website. And Ian is about to take control of the, of the car. Bye awesome. Bye. Bye. Enjoy the show. Discover more Bunkazilla originals at bunkazilla.co.uk. Mm.